What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro Dude, and please forgive me for my appearance. I literally just woke up, but I, I needed to get this out there today. Recorded this episode with Zoe last night, and I just wanted to thank everyone who supported the podcast. Uh, whether you have listened to the podcast, shared the podcast, watched the podcast on YouTube, whether you have bought merch, whether you have donated to the square, everything has been so amazing this season. Um, The podcast has given me a new outlook on life. It has given me uh, more of a sense of purpose. I talked all about this on Twitter the other day. It's really just been amazing how much support that I've gotten through the podcast. The community that we've built has been really, really cool. And I hope to continue that through the offseason into next season. You know, we just hit over 100,000 listens recently, which is absolutely crazy. And that doesn't even count all the views we get on YouTube as well. So if you added that in, it's way more. It's just been absolutely amazing. And I can't thank you enough for your support. Um, Thank you to uh, Last Out Media, who helped us land our first sponsor recently, Philly Sports Trips, which is coming later in the episode. You'll hear that. But we're planning something really cool with them as well. So keep an eye out for that on Twitter, and you'll hear it on the podcast as well. But now we're getting to the fun part of it, right? We're getting to the trade slot, which we already have a piece of that we talk about at the top of this episode. We're getting to the free agency stuff. I'll have Marty Teller on later this week to discuss our outlook on the season, our plans, our ideas for what the team can be next season as we enter the next phase of the Joel Embiid Sixers, which could possibly be the final phase, which is scary and fun. And the stakes are extremely high because I think the next two to three years is really the window with Joel Embiid while he's still remotely in his prime, while he's hopefully knock on wood healthy. And I just look forward to kind of going through this journey with you guys and, uh, you know, bring in that slop, baby, bring the fucking slop. If you haven't already, you can donate to the square. You can support us in link down in the description. By the way, you can buy. I have the Maxi Better Sad. If you're watching on YouTube, Maxi Better Sadly mug that I'm drinking coffee out of right now. You can buy that. You can share the podcast as always. You can like us on YouTube. You can review us on your favorite podcast platform. And once again, please, please, please support. Philly sports trips if you can. We're going to try to do a few trips with them in the fall for the Eagles and the Sixers, as I mentioned. And I I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I I just want to kind of, I want to kind of take the podcast to the next level in terms of doing stuff with you guys in person. So like we've done the one live event, we've done all of the YouTube live streams, we've done a lot of digital stuff, but I want to start next season in, you know, this off season into next season, start doing stuff in person, hanging out with you guys, getting to know you guys better. And um, so just, just let me know if you have any ideas for some things that we can do. You can always DM me. My DMs are open on Twitter at Trill Bro Dude. You can tweet at me. You can comment on the YouTube. You can remember to like this video, please. You can do whatever to reach out to me. And I, I always appreciate your feedback and uh, I'm always trying to make the podcast better. I'm always trying to make this experience better, this community better. And once again, thank you so, so, so much for your support. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this off season, not only because it's just like a nice mental break from the Sixers, like 
but it, it, we, we now have time to focus on the things that are going to affect the team next year without ever actually having to sit through and watch the team, which is my favorite part of all this, as I mentioned on this episode. So thank you to Zoe for joining me today and uh, enjoy the episode. And uh, I'll talk to you guys later this week. We work to work, you like to work, I holla and they send it You know my pride was colder than Chicago in December My bitch came up in ankle with her mama, was her daddy And when I'm in the midway, she say holla at your family My dog paid me that cup, till like candy My dog out laying them low, ain't breaking no laws, I'll serve not rock Peace outside, still fucking in the car, still flipping in the car, still shooting at the car What's going on, guys? I am very excited to announce that Philly Sports Trips is now the official travel partner of the You Know Ball podcast. The biggest reason why I've partnered with Philly Sports Trips is really simple. I give them my money. I have a mini vacation that involves the Sixers, Eagles, and Phillies, and I don't have to lift a finger to plan anything. I can party as light as I want or as hard as I want, and Philly Sports Trips takes care of everything that I hate. The planning, the organizing, researching where to go, and I get a five-star hotel, non-crazy flight schedules, and tailgates that have unbelievable food and booze, and most importantly, it's a douchebag-free zone. These are just some of the many reasons that I am excited to partner with Philly Sports Trips. I can't wait to go on a Sixers trip next season, and Uniball is absolutely going on the road to at least one Eagles game. So let me know which Eagles game you would want to go to, and I would love to do a huge Uniball road trip. Out of all the cities, I'm thinking New York or Chicago, but I want to know what you guys think as well. So tweet at me, at TrailBroDude, DM me, comment on the YouTube, and let me know which Eagles game you guys think we should go as a group this season. Phillies and Eagles trips are booking right now. So head over to phillysportstrips.com and let them know that you know Ball sent you for two very important reasons. Not only does it help fund the podcast, but we'll have VIP events and goodies specifically just for you know Ball listeners. PhillySportsTrips.com, premium travel for every Philly sports fan, and a proud sponsor of the You Know Ball podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I am excited to have back onto the podcast for the third time from Rights to Ricky Sanchez, the Corner 3 newsletter, The Price is Always Going Up. What's up, Zoe? How you doing? What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Feeling great. I'm actually, yeah. I've coped fully. The Sixers season is over, and now I get to do the fun part of the job, yep. which is talk about what the team might look like. Mm-hmm. Watching the team can be truthfully excruciating at certain points, but mm-hmm. actually envisioning what the team can become, now that's fun. And that's yeah. why we love the fucking off season. That's why yeah. we love flop season. That's why we love all this shit. So I'm glad to have you on because we got a piece of slop that dropped today. I'm assuming you saw the Windhorse news thousand percent dude yeah yep i saw it i saw it um it's funny i was actually on my way to the gym from work and um i'm changing my clothes and i see the um i see the tweet uh people are sharing and the youtube clip and i was like this is perfect i knew i was coming on here and i was like this is perfect this couldn't drop at a better time a slop drop right before the pod <laughs> is like, I mean, this is basically Christmas for me. Nice, I have complete, I've completely forgotten about Matisse Thibel and James Harden's second half performance and 
Doc Rivers making me go insane, all that stuff. Yeah. And now we have this piece of slop from the Deal Zone King, the slop master general himself, Brian Windhorse, comes out today and I says basically he's hinting at the fact that Daryl Morey is still gunning for another star, which has always been Maury's MO, but yep. it is it is worth noting that Maury's MO was always gunning for a star when he had one superstar. That was generally the case. Got Dwight Howard when he had James Harden. He got uh, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, all that stuff. He never really had a team that had three stars around it, except for if you count that one time they got the wash Carmelo right. Anthony in Houston. Right. But the majority of the time, he was really just bringing in two stars. So this would be a little bit off of the beaten path for him. But in, in that piece, did you, so you, you watched it. And the weird thing to me was like, he was talking about Tobias Harris in a trade. And he was like, you know, they think they can get, they can get value back for Tobias, which I'm like, look, Tobias was great. Great. In most of those games in the playoffs, he was definitely not the reason we lost in the playoffs, but he still makes $40 million next year. And I don't think that any team is itching necessarily to pay Tobias Harris, the 59th best player in the NBA, $40 million next no. year. I don't think that's like in someone's plan. No. But the part that did throw me off a little bit about it was the fact that he he mentioned that Maxi could be potentially included in a deal. And I know you and me, have both felt very, very strongly about Tyrese Maxey and about not moving him because it's just bad basketball karma. It's just yeah. not what – like, like he's a good dude. He's on the rise. He's on a rookie contract. Everyone loves him. Great locker room guy. He's a yeah. dog. He's a hooper. What else could you want? Like, I honestly am to the point where I, I almost wouldn't trade Tyrese Maxey for, like – there's a very, very short list of players that would trade him for. I'll leave it like that. Even so, um, it's so funny you mentioned that because I played a, a similar game with Spike. Um, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and and well, then you right, you you heard it. He, he was. It was funny because he was like, "Dude, this game is going the complete opposite than I thought." Because I literally gave him. I was like, "Dude, there's like maybe like four guys I would trade him for right now, right?" Um, and it's the truth, man. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, one, it's bad basketball karma, and two, I just think it's it's bad basketball business. <laughs> you, he is even Greeny. Greeny was like, like, what are you even talking about? Like when 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 Wendy mentioned it, he was like, he's twenty one, um, and he's a guy on the rise, right? Like he's not just he's not just like a friend where the oh they hope he takes the lead. Like he's taking the lead. Um, so. I'm very interested. I know Wendy's mentioned that like he would get in a lot of trouble if he brought names into it, which is totally fine. Like ask him this question again on draft night and he'll bring names into it. It's obviously it's different because, you know, we still have the the lottery tomorrow and then, you know, people are still trying to figure out draft strategy or whatever. But I feel like if they ask that question on draft night, we'll start getting more names. But um, I was I was actually pretty shocked. I was shocked to hear that they still think that Maxi is gettable because I, I don't think that they should – move him at all um yeah. unless you know i was even i was even semi on the fence um about a dane trade and now i'm just like no way would i give him up for dane um i wouldn't give him up for a bunch of people like not anybody on the suns like if the suns break it up and you know one of that core becomes available i wouldn't do that um 
I think that you'd have to, we'd have to have a serious conversation maybe about, I, I think I know where he's going. And I think it's going toward one of, or, or three of the Levine spider and um, Bill. Bill, you know, head. And I, I, we'd have to have a serious conversation about all three of those guys, because I, 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 I had them ranked, a little weirdly, depending on what day it is. <laughs> so right, exactly. Um, yeah. But it's also worth noting there are different situations because yes. I just want to put it into context. If the Sixers really have this, and this is all around the special speculation of James Harden taking a pay cut. My theory is that, and this was, by the way, this was said immediately when the trade happened. This yeah. was like, uh, I've been doing this conspiracy shit about this yeah. since the, a week after the James Harden trade yeah. happened because these rumors got out there and now it feels more likely that Harden would take a pay cut only because I don't think there's another team out there that would just give him a max contract. And yeah. we at least had that possibility like, well, what if he comes in and we make an Eastern Conference Finals run or a Finals run and he looks awesome and then the team turns around and goes, we don't want to pay him the max. Yeah. That is where you would have had a weird situation. But because the season ended the way it did, because he looked the way that he looked, he's probably – my guess is that it's a deal that's similar to Chris Paul's deal, funny enough, yeah. that we'll talk about Chris Paul a little bit later. But – it's similar to the Chris Paul deal where Chris Paul was making $45 million in the last year of his deal, but he opted out and then he signed a three-year $90 million extension. So you're paying him like $30 million a year, but you're so you're paying him less per year, but you're giving him three guaranteed right. years. Three guaranteed years, yeah. Right. So my point here is that if he does that and the Sixers can get off the Tobias Harris contract by including the two first-round picks that they have remaining – they can just sign Zach Levine or Bradley Beal. Yeah. There's no point in trading Tyrese Maxey yeah. for him. And if you're trading Tyrese Maxey, it has to be for some of the guys that you mentioned. It would have to be for a Dame, a Book, a Mitchell, one of these guys that's like a clear top 20 player yeah. that is someone that you can plug in and be a creator next to James Harden and, and Joel Embiid can kind of work off of those two well. Those guys are all really good shooters except for, you know, obviously, you know, Beal's in a different situation, yeah. but, like, Beal's kind of not as good of a shooter as he once was. But once again, Beal or Levine you can just get in free agency. So yeah. I think – I have a theory on this. The two guys that I think that it could possibly be, because, like, I think that I – once again, bad basketball karma. I don't want to trade Tyrese Maxey. I'd rather lose with Tyrese Maxey than win with some guys. Like, oh, that's yeah. kind of how I feel, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah. there's one guy that you said on there that I probably would – I, pr I definitely would trade him for Luca, And I know that you were oh, yeah. being a little bit tongue in cheek, but at the same time, like obviously Luca could like be the best player in the NBA, like next season. Like he might be right now. He's been amazing. Yeah. Like, maybe in like, in like three weeks, he may be the best player in basketball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at the end of the finals, then we're in the Luca era. We were in the Giannis era last year and then we're in the Luca right. era. And then whoever right. wins next year, maybe after that. But my whole point on this is like, I've been thinking about what Winhorse said because you brought up the draft lottery thing. Because the draft lottery thing is interesting because I'm thinking who would be affected by the draft lottery? Because like the Jazz aren't in the draft lottery, the Suns aren't in the draft lottery, the right. Wizards are, but once again, the Sixers could just sign him outright. Just sign him outright, yeah. Wouldn't even matter, right? Right. The two teams that I think that would be affected by the the draft lottery thing would be the Trailblazers, of course, because the Blazers are high yeah. up, of course. 
And then there is the other team, which is kind of this mystery team that has been linked to a Tobias Harris trade, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. And the reason I say Shea Gilgis Alexander is because, and I know I've brought up Shea before, and maybe this is just a long shot. This is still my long shot pick for this. But the reason I say this is because if the Thunder don't get a top five pick for like the third straight season, and they're saying, fuck, we just tanked for all of this, and now we're going to get another high pick. We're probably going to be too good to tank in 2023 yeah. when the top of the draft is Victor Webinyama and Scoot Henderson, and it's this packed top of the draft. It's way better than this year's draft. He might say, how can I get something back for J- Shea Gilgis-Alexander, maybe a prospect like Tyrese Maxey and yep. some future picks, and then we can tank again next year and Maxi's kind of in a similar mold to Shea. Like, they're kind yeah. of similar players. Shea's a little bit further along in his development. Yeah. He's a little bit better as a primary guy. But, like, they're kind he's of – He's probably a little bit – he's probably a better shooter at this rate, too. Well, probably a tad bit better shooter. Max, well, Maxi's a better shooter than Shea is right now by the numbers. Like, Shea's – I would say Shea is better – on, like Shea's better with the ball in his hands than Maxi is. Yeah, driving, creating, creating his own offense. He's much aesthetically, better. aesthetically. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's 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 what I'm getting at. Aesthetically, he looks like he's a better shooter than Maxi, but Maxi's a better shooter. You could also put the ball in his hands and have yeah. him run an offense. Yeah. Maxi is much better in the role that we have him in now, which is working off the ball with James Harden and Joel Embiid. But like at the end of a game, you'd rather have Shea Gillis just Alexander with the ball. Yeah. So yeah. and it, yeah, it's funny because that's the and it's ironic too because they're both uh Kentucky guys, but that is the mold of the Kentucky guy. Like Kyle gets those guys in and he lets them do what they do, but he he pushes them to be the best at it, right? So Maxi was there with Manny quickly. So like Manny ran the offense for them. So all Maxi had to do was play off ball. Right. So like and he didn't have the tournament. So like Maxie never even got a chance to run the offense because like he was playing off ball the whole time there. So like, yes, you would you you can see the growing pains when he's trying to run an offense. And it was the reverse for SGA. SGA got he got here ironically with Doc. <laughs> and then then, you know, they kinda <laughs> they kinda had to um, you know, mold him into that, you know, play both sides, off ball, on ball, so on and so forth. So like the I think the reason that those guys excel so well is because Kyle lets them be what they already are. He's like, all right, look, like he, he told Max, he's like, all right, like you're you are daredevil burner, like do what you do. Manny's gonna run the offense, you play off ball, and you just let it fly when you let and let it fly. And he, and like you can just see how Maxi benefited from it. So I, I think that that's that goes back to you made a point a while ago about like why it's so important to draft blue bloods. It's the truth. Like those guys are just, they're built different and they're coached different. Like it it matters. You can find talent anywhere, but the blue bloods are the blue bloods for a reason. Exactly. And the outliers for that are the, the once in a generation type, like the, the John Moran is the outlier for, for that general rule. Like, you know what I mean? Guys that are high recruits, guys that are coached in these systems by college coaches that are, you know, like I, I say it like this, like if a guy is total shit in college and he goes to a big school, like whatever, 99 times out of 100, he's going to suck in the NBA. But if he shows you just a little bit, 
even like Maxi, like Maxi struggled with certain things in his year at college, but man, in his first game ever, he shot a logo three to win the game. And yep. in like, like at the garden, like high stakes, like you can see from a young age with certain guys and Shay and Maxi kind of both had similar situations coming out of Kentucky in that all of their things that people looked for were kind of more theoretical yep. than actualized. And yep. they've developed their games in the NBA because of that training from Cal, because of the, the training from the Kentucky program. And and it's funny because Cal actually compared Shea to Max or Maxi to Shea. His two comps were Jamal Murray and Shea for him. And the thing is, is like, I don't think that Shea's available. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that I think that Sam Presti is enough of a sicko to say, how can I get the number one overall pick in 2023? Because I want Victor Webinyama because Victor Webinyama is the best European prospect since Luka Doncic, who is now as as, as he's we just so insane. His, I, his, his, his metrics are off the chart, and he's gonna come out. He's gonna come into the league, and he's gonna be a fifteen and ten guy already. He's so good, man. And once he puts weight on, it's a wrap. He's so, so and that's good. the guy that everyone's going to be going for next year. Like, yeah. I don't think that team, like, I think if you're a rebuilding team and you're out there and you're looking at this draft. You, you say to yourself, there are some good guys at the top. Like, I think Paulo's going to be good. I think Jabari's going to be good. I think Chet yeah. will be pretty good. Like, I think I'm not saying that those are bad prospects, but they're not in the same class of prospect as Victor Webb and Yaba. And if no, you're a rebuilding no. team like the Thunder, you might look at it and say, how can we get worse for this year so we can have a shot at that next year? Yeah. And as as much as I love Maxi, like if your number one guy is Maxi, you're not going anywhere. And no. and if your number one guy is Shea Gilgis Alexander, you're probably winning at least 25 games. And that is actually detrimental to a team. And like it's kind of the same situation in Portland, where it's like if Portland wants to try to tank and get a high pick in 2023, they can't keep Damian Lillard. Like, no. they just can't. Like, if Dame comes back and he's somewhat himself, they're competing. Like, that's just kind of what is going to happen. And those are the only two guys I could realistically think of that would be kind of in that conversation just because of that. Do do you remember um, when Maury went on? I think it was the Fanatic, and it was, like, maybe a week. Yeah, it was probably a week before the, the, the Harden trade. And he said... And it was basically at that time he was like, oh, it's like a 9% chance that, like, Ben goes anywhere right now. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. like, just literally blowing smoke up our ass, whatever. But he, <laughs> he, he admittedly was like, listen, I can't tell you who it is, but I, I offered, you know, like four, like, two first-rounders, like, three second-rounders for a guy and was told no. And, like, I, I really wanted this guy. And if, and if this team had said yes, Ben would have been gone yesterday. My personal guess was that it was SGA. I think For that sure. Preston held on to him, but I really think that at that time, Maury called and was like, "Dude, I'll give you my last two first rounders and three second rounders to and and whatever you and Ben like tonight for SGA." And, and I think that Presti was like, "Nah, I think his I think his vibe is going to be more in the off season." And I still think that it, that SGA was the guy. I think SGA was who. He called about, and then he, you know, he's not, he's not going to mention it now. But I, I still think that in my heart of hearts, SGA was the guy that, that he was talking about. So, 
of the guys that were named, like we we remember we had our months of just going yep. fucking insane. Like SGA was one of the names of yeah. the guys that kept being brought up that was not like an all-star. Like like yeah. the majority of guys that were being brought up had either made an all-star team or were all NBA players or yep. were just guys we were never going to get. Like it was like, yeah, of course, Luca, like, of course, like guys right. that like were never, ever, ever going to get. Tatum, he called Boston, was like, hey, can yeah, we have Tatum? Like, 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 all right, not going to happen. He's like, like, dude, how much for Jalen? Like, I got, I got Ben and yeah, yeah, yeah we got for Jalen. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, dude, we'll call you back. Yeah. <laughs> In retrospect, we should have taken the Marcus Smart and stuff package for Ben and destroyed the Celtics. Right. <laughs> so that they couldn't go this far. We could have been doing yourself. Dimensional so. chess, exactly. Right. He wouldn't have played. They would have had no chance to get to the conference finals. I'm just saying. But now we got to watch our rivals play. Oh, uh, so brutal. For, oh man. Oh my god, I'm in pain. We'll get to that later. But I'm I'm writhing in pain over that. But the so so going back to the Shea thing, like I think that that once again is a long shot. I think all of this is a long shot. I think that his plan is we want to make people think that we want to get a third star. Mm-hmm. And that way, you know, we have Tobias as the matching salary. We have Maxi as this prospect. We have some remaining picks. Like, we'll give you whatever you want if we can get that third star. Maybe as a way to try to, like, say, like, hey, we're not going to give up Tobias for anything. It might be right. – he might be trying to fool the market a little bit. But yep. I do think that from every – all the reporting that came out after the trade deadline, the guy that Embiid wanted was Beal. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I know I've heard Bill Simmons say it. I've heard other yeah. reporters suggest it. And, like, it sounds like before Beal got hurt that Beal was the other one that might have been, like, remember after the deadline? He said there were there were the Halliburton rumors. There were the Beal rumors. Then we got Harden, and he was like, you know, there was another deal that fell through last second. Yeah. And that might have been the Beal deal. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's Beal because it's, like, it's like Joe and him have the connection, like all that mm-hmm. stuff. But at the same time, Bradley Beal, until Bradley Beal says, I don't want to play for the Wizards, I'm not taking the largest contract in NBA history, basically, <laughs> to play to play here for five years. Yeah. I will believe that when I see it. I'm not going to get yeah. my hopes up. I Once again, I think that they probably – I think they'd probably be better off trying to turn Tobias and the picks and Thibel and whatever – into two other starters that they can put with those guys as opposed to getting Bradley Beal. But if they do get Bradley Beal, I will 100% turn into a Lakers fan and I will tell myself <laughs> that we are winning the next five titles. And I will have soup, I will have a terminal case of Lakers brain and we will be a dynasty if we get also, Bradley Beal. And Maxi is six man. <laughs> I also, um, I think I read, oh man, um, it might have been. Like a month, I actually before the playoffs, I read that the Wizards were like already were like, like if he's if he leaves here, we're not entertaining any signing trades. Like you basically either like he'll leave on his own remission and you got to sign him, but like you're not don't don't bother calling us and saying what kind right. of signing can we do. So like they're already saying like dude like he he either becomes the richest basketball player in history, or <laughs> you know he he goes somewhere else and actually tries to compete for a championship. But I, I agree with you. I, I don't – I will believe it when I see it, but I do think that um, the the lexicon changed when he hurt his hand because then it became be a sixer or 
be a six year with a broken hand or just get get it fixed. And I think that he was thinking long term because if it was something he could have rehabbed through and played through, I think he'd be a sixer right now. I really do because I I, I believe the reports um, of Joe wanting him and Joe calling him and saying, you know, I, I need you here. But I really think that his hand was hurt enough that he was like, I got to get this taken care of um, because I'm sure he's thinking, you know, long term. But I am um, worth noting. He would have been able to get the five year if he was traded at the yeah, deadline. He was traded he deadline, got yeah. that money here. Yeah. which is really why that would have been incentivized to make that right. trade happen. Which is very right. Yeah. And and you you mentioned something that I wanted to bring up. I'm glad you mentioned it. You mentioned Maxi, um, sixth man of the year. And it takes me back to a point that I made a while ago that this team, the Sixers, as a team and an organization, as a front office, they they lack so much creativity, right? And what I mean by that is, look at look at the, they're a poor example now, but just just overall, look at what the Bucks did last year, right? So they had PJ Tucker, plugged PJ Tucker in, played him, then played him, started him, won a chip with him, and then lost him. And this year, you know, Bobby Portis fit right in. Like Bobby Portis isn't the reason they lost, but like. They tried that. Like, they plugged shit in. They tried it, see what works, see what didn't work. And look at the Celtics. The Celtics did the same thing. They plugged shit in, see what works, see what didn't work. And, like, look at the Heat and go back. And you, you go to the teams that are clearly a level above the Sixers. And one of the things they do well is they get creative. They try shit. Like, and I, this is not just a coach thing. It's an organization thing. Like, it's got to come from up top where the mindset is it, these are this is not our our static starting five like we're going to work to see what works we're going to see 15 games in all right this isn't working you know we're we're nine and six we can be ten and five let's see like what works with this let's bring this dude off the bench now and yeah like, we're not going to wait until there's a vaccine mandate and matisse Thibel right. has to be pulled from the starting lineup to realize oh it's better to start danny green who can shoot a basketball <laughs> like what the <laughs> fuck man right like, <laughs> like why like why does it take these catastrophes to happen for you to be like, well, let's get a little creative. Quitting, quitting basketball. So Tyrus Maxey gets more minutes. Like, and and like, that's enough. Right. So like that whole thing, like you traded, you traded Ben Simmons or like you, 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 you have the first half of the season without Ben Simmons. And then all of a sudden you realize, God damn, like we don't have Ben Simmons rebounding. We don't have Ben Simmons defense on the wing. Hmm, maybe we should try to replace that. And you never replace it. Like, like yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. I get what kind of void he is for what he can't do. But, like, you have to know how much you still depended on him. Like, you, you still depended on what he brought. You still depended on that defense. You still depended on his rebound. Like, you still depended on his offensive initiation. Like, I just feel like there's such a reactionary team and front office that like everything is damn. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a guy that did that? Like they're like yeah. like stoners. Like, they're like, oh, like how cool would it be if we had a dude who could get ten rebounds a game? Like, like oh. we're gonna go sign Tristan Thompson this offseason, and I'm gonna have to cancel the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told, I, yeah, yeah, I told, uh, I was talking to my house. I was like, they're gonna sign Tristan Thompson. I'm gonna have a lot of tweets to delete. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said it the other day. I said 
hey, look, at least DeAndre Jordan's a good locker room guy. At least Paul Millsap's <laughs> a good locker room guy. Everyone hates Tristan Thompson. He cheats on his wife. Everyone, everywhere he goes, hates Tristan Thompson. Right? He, he ruins locker rooms. At least DeAndre tells good jokes or whatever he tells. Yeah, exactly. Like, at least DeAndre is like, like in Maxie's ear telling him good things. Like he seems like a great dude. Like he's out at the club with Harden. Like, like I, I have nothing against DeAndre Jordan, the person. Like, but it reminds it me. Is- um, I was watching. Um, I think it might have been the. Um, might have been the Matt Barnes, Steve Jackson podcast. And they, it was, I forget who it was telling the story. They were talking about when Dwight Howard first got traded to the Lakers. And he called, so he calls Kobe and Kobe's working out. He's like, Kobe's like, yo, like, you know, like, glad to have you. I'm excited we're doing this. Like, let's win. Like, you know, like, it's, it's championship time. <laughs> they said Dwight's first question was like, yo, what's the LA nightlife like? <laughs> Kobe Bryant. <laughs> he hangs up and you're like, yeah, the first thing Kobe says was, yeah, this shit ain't gonna work. <laughs> and it, just, into it. it just reminds me of how fucking dumb this team is, man. Like imagine Dwight coming here and be being like, all right, glad to have you, bro. Like we like, you know, we gotta grind. This is about to it be is. like, you know. Like, like we're, we're getting to a finals this year. Fucking <laughs> Dwight's like, yo, so what's the nightlife in Philly like? like <laughs> I'm shocked him and Harden didn't get along better. <laughs> be a club risque if he was still here, dude. It'd be absolutely you know, killing it. I wanted to um, – you reminded me of something when you mentioned CP3, but this is a point that I think everyone – should keep in mind when you talk about, oh, like, just make Harden into CP3, or like Harden can just be the CP3 role. CP3 had to, he like changed his entire life. Like, I think he's vegan now. Yeah. He changed the way he worked out. He changed like a lot of his just preparation habits, stuff like that. And like, no offense to James Harden, I don't know James Harden's offseason routine or like lack thereof, but you, you're, you're basically it's, it's a lot more than just calling them in, into your office and saying, yo, I need you to do what CP3 did to to add another five years into your career. Like, He'll be like, Chris Paul, my arch enemy. I'm right. not doing it. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Excuse like, me? I'll do the opposite. I'll go on an all-meat diet, actually. I'm just going to eat mean, um, <laughs> You mean my biggest hater? Yeah, thanks. I'm going on keto right now. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I will say, speaking of Chris Paul and Patrick Beverly – the whole situation that happened today with Patrick Beverly basically going on and doing the whole RIP Bozo for the whole ether, hours yeah, the whole first, tour, yeah, on first take. So he was talking, you know, him and Harden are boys still, which is yeah. Pat Bev's the only teammate that Harden's had before that still loves him for some reason. Yeah, everybody else hates his guts. I know. And Pat Bev loves him. They get along great. And one of the things he did say about Harden was, and, and look, I know Harden's got a lot of shit about going out, and I know that his he's been questioned by teammates and he's been questioned by everyone, and right. they called him – and people thought he was a stat pattern, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. But I will say the one thing that I think that people don't give James Harden enough credit for is that he made himself into one of the 40 best basketball players of all time. Yeah. He was a sixth man his first few years in the NBA. He didn't even start until his fifth year in no. the NBA – 
got his own team, became an MVP candidate, became one of the greatest players of all time. And regardless of all of the playoff struggles, all that shit, like I do think that there is something in James Hart. Like there, like people say, like he used to be like a crazy workaholic. Mm-hmm. And even some of the Nets guys, like when he first got there, said that that's what he was like. The Sixers guys said that. And one of the things Pat Bev said in this interview was – he does not like being embarrassed basically. And he said like the fact that he was in, he felt embarrassed and like everything happened, like he thinks Harden will come back with a new attitude and work really hard this off season to get in shape and do whatever. I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it once again, but at the same time, at least maybe he's blowing smoke because he's trying to help out his boy. But at the same time, it, it did give me a little bit of, maybe I'm just clinging on to any optimism that I can get, but that, that was good to hear. Also, heard that um a lot of a lot of his struggles like in the latter part of the year were just due to the fact that he spent all offseason not really hooping but just just recouping from you yeah. know the hammy and that the hammy really wasn't right until like really all year. So like that also gave me a bit of perspective too. Cause like all right maybe that's true. Maybe the hammy just wasn't right at all and maybe you know the Sixers uh, I think what their vice president who's like who wrote that book on hamstrings or whatever like maybe Simon Rice yeah that's our yeah. boy our, our Lord Savior, Simon. Maybe, maybe Simon you know was like all right like dude this, this is what the, the best way we're going to make it right is just have you play through it which is like what they said he said that like after every game they had him running basically till he couldn't run anymore you know yeah. to really really you know um, tire it out whatever and like if I if I buy that, then this is the summer where you do take your diet serious and you do take your preparation serious and you do say, I'm gonna shoot a thousand jump shots a day. Like I'm embarrassed. They talking shit. You know, folks are making memes. They're talking about I'm gonna come back in a training camp, you know, <laughs> sixty pounds heavier. And like if, if that's who we get next year, I'm totally fine with it. Like I, I you know, at a at a discount. <laughs> not fifty million dollars a year. Dollars a year. I fucking tell you that shit right now. Not fifty million dollars a year, but you know, if that's who we get, um, then I think that's a win. I I, I think that um, one thing. I guess we can get into doc stuff now too. Yeah, let's get into the doc that, stuff. That one thing that sticks out for me, and a big reason why I I don't think Doc is coming back, is. Him and B and Harden were just one, and B just physically and I'm sure mentally were just broken. Like, he, like he just couldn't. He didn't have anything left in the man. Like, much respect to Joe for for what he did, and and as as long as he went. But like, I I, I just think that they got to a point where I think even they realized that they just didn't have the horses to get it done, and or the that's dog. a lot for even a guy like Doc to overcome, but I don't, <laughs> I still, my mind all, will always go back to that scene on the bench where Doc begging them to fight and both of them just have their heads down. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, I'm sorry. I'm turning the channel. I was, I was like, I'm not watching this shit anymore. Like y'all don't care. I don't care either. But like, I, and the heat immediately went on like a 10 0 run. <laughs> He's like, you gotta fight, and then it's like, and Jimmy Butler, it's another oh, shot. You gotta fight, Bobby guys. You gotta fight. And then right after that, it's a twenty to one heat run, and then 
you know, the gang's put away. But I, I, I feel like, so my, my theory on that, so you, you shared yours on, on, uh, on the third star. So my theory on the coaching search is that Daryl has very strict orders. And Wendy even hinted at it, but Daryl has very strict orders to try to save money. Um, yeah. And so whether that is this way by saying Doc's coming back, we're totally fine with it. No, 13 hours after that loss, like already saying, no, 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 that's coming back. Like, you know, he's, he's our guy. Right. Um, to basically tell the Lakers, like, you're going to have to pay up if you want them. Um, I I still think that one, that was a, that was a business tactic. And two, that eventually though, when they do look back and review and go through everything that um, Doc won't be here. I, yeah, I really so, think whether it's whether it's by hook or crook, I don't think he'll be here. So the thing that really sticks out to me is kind of piggybacking off of what you said, which is when the entire team goes to the press conference and says, "Yeah, we just kind of gave up. <laughs> we just kind of didn't give a shit." Like, like you could, we could talk about the tactical stuff. We could talk about the lineup stuff. We could talk about right. the lack of. Element. We can talk about all the stuff that has driven us crazy about Doc when it comes to coaching this team. He's been good in the regular season. A large part of that is due to the fact that he has Joel Embiid, but also in the regular season and Joel doesn't play, they compete. I think that he gets them motivated and he's been good at that. He's generally had good feel in the he's a good regular season floor raiser as a coach for sure. When you are in your second year as coach and the entire team is basically saying, yeah, no, they were just tougher than us, and we just didn't give a shit. Like, <laughs> part of it might be your mental makeup, and another part yeah. of it might be how did you lose motivation in a series you just tied when Joel Embiid came back? And, like, uh, like people have brought this up over the past few days, but, like, has there ever been a coach with as much talent as Doc Rivers has had over the last decade that has never made it to a Western Conference Finals? No, we're not ever. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Blake Griffin – Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan when he was still good. Yep. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey. Like the list goes on and on of how many guys that he's had over the last decade, even the tail end of the Boston years. Like, yeah. yeah. Doc is just not the guy anymore. And like, mm-hmm. I think he would be fine for the Lakers because any LeBron coach team. Like LeBron is largely the coach on those teams. Yeah, like a basketball genius. He's a leader. He's the best, arguably the best player of all time. Like the coaches, like Doc would be good for a team like that because you have the coach on the court. The Sixers needs need something more than that. They and it goes beyond the. They just need somebody to yell at them. I've seen a lot of people say that. Oh, they just need somebody to yell at them. They need somebody to get angry at them. Yeah, but it's different than that. They need somebody to hold the stars accountable. Like that was always the knock on Brett Brown, right? That like he didn't hold Embiid and especially Simmons accountable, that he babied them and blah, blah, blah. And like in a way, like I don't I just think Doc lost the locker room in that same vein. Like I don't think that he was pulling Embiid and Harden to the side saying, look, like 
I need you two to carry game six. You know, like I need you two to go in there and get, you know, get these guys fired up and get in Maxie's face and tell him to get aggressive and get into Bias's face and say, you know, I, I, I need all 48 minutes from you. Like, I don't think Doc did that. I think Doc was like, all right, guys, let's play our game. You know, you know, let's, you know, let's go. Yeah. I, 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 so I think that that's the kind of coach they need. I think they need a coach who will simply hold their stars accountable and who is fine with trying new stuff. Like Doc's, the biggest knock we've all had on Doc, at least one of them is the fact that he's just so stubborn. Yep. Like a, a lot of his press conferences, it wasn't even about strategy. It was about, you got, I know basketball and you motherfuckers don't, so don't ask me. <laughs> you know, like, Pretty much. You know, Derek like, Ponder, you're an idiot. I'm a basketball genius, okay? Right. Like, sit your dumb ass down, Austin. Like, don't don't ask me any more fucking questions. Would you ask Pop about basketball, Paul? I don't think so. You know, like, and so, like, I I just think that there's there's there continues to be a disconnect there, and you, you have to first realize, and he should know this by now. It's it's year two. You have to realize what kind of star you have. Like Joel Embiid is not the guy to get angry and upset and throw shit on the bench and get in everybody's face and say, yo, like we're not losing game six or we're not going to game six against Toronto. You know, we're closing it out in five. Like that's just the kind of guy he isn't. You you have to realize that though. I don't think Doc realized it. I think Doc was still saying, you know, him saying fight, 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 which is him letting us know that he still didn't have a clue what kind of team he had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's definitely true. And one of the things, literally the first week he got here, he said to, because he wanted to establish the ground rules up right. front. Right. He said to the whole team, because he saw what happened with the Clippers, which was that, that the stars and the role players didn't get along there because they felt like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George yep. came in and they got preferential treatment over the rest of the team, which right. – they did because they're stars and that's what happens. And Doc was honest about that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you need to then. And and one of the reasons why I feel as though that they have not said like, yeah, Doc's like, poss- like there's no, been no leaks about Doc possibly being right. fired. All of that shit is because I do genuinely think Joel likes Doc. Like from everything yeah. I've heard, like Doc and Joel have a great relationship. Maxie yeah. and, and Doc have a great relationship. Like yeah. I think that they have that in mind. And I think – I think, look, if if they can recreate the the roster and have it be a team that is better suited for the playoffs, it's yep. better suited for carrying them in the regular season, and we get a refreshed heart in, like, and you have Joel happy because he likes the coach and the GM and the and his teammates and all that stuff. Okay, maybe fine, but all of those things have to go right because Doc Rivers is your coach, leaves you very little margin for error since he doesn't give you any tactical advantages on the court. His locker rooms tend to fall apart. There's just like a lot of bad history here. When you're going in the Eastern Conference now, like think about how insane the Eastern Conference is going to be next year. You have the Nets coming back, and even if the Ben situation, if he gets traded, whatever – and they're gonna be pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> we got an angry Nets team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Maybe we'll see on that. Um, based on what I've heard, Ben Simmons. Um, so they're 
and and like even if Ben gets traded and they get role players or they get DeAndre Ayton or they get whatever it is, like that there's there are moves to be made for the next So my my guess is that he does they do do a sign and trade with Ayton. Um and I'll be honest with you, man, the Nets with DeAndre Ayton are actually way scarier than Nets with Ben Simmons, if you ask Absolutely. me. So I agree. Yeah, you know, you got that. Um and yeah, to get you know, not to cut you off, but can you continue on with your point? I mean, a lot of these teams are going to be better. The, teams that we just, the team we just lost to, the Heat, like they're not going anywhere. Like I think we still – I think with a healthy Joel, we probably still win the series. But, like, mm-hmm. they're still a tough out. The The Raptors are going to be better. The Celtics are going to be better. Like, I I think you're looking at an Eastern Conference. The Bucks. Didn't even mention the Bucks, who right. won the title last year. And if Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt, they're probably in the finals at least again this year. Like the Eastern conference is going to be stacked from one to five and you're going to have, you know, we'll see from a talent perspective, what Maury, cause like the pressure is on Maury now to mm-hmm. build a roster that can fucking last in the regular season and translate into the playoffs. And then you just look at the coaches and you go, well, Udoka is a better coach. Spolster is a better coach. Bud is a better coach. I mean, Bud Bud has his faults as a coach, but he's definitely a better coach than Doc at this point. And then you have uh, – I don't even – who I'm forgetting someone out of this list. But my point is is that there's like three – oh, Nick Nurse. And Nick so, Nurse. so you have Nurse too, and it's like – and then you look at Doc and you go, I don't feel great about the coaching matchups and when the talent gaps are what they are – that you need to get any coaching advantage you can. Like, I think the only coach he's better than out of all these coaches is Steve Nash. Yeah, and, yeah I would say yeah, so. Yeah, and I'm like, this. it just doesn't make me feel good going into next season knowing that, like, when it comes to the playoffs, we're going to have a, a, a disadvantage with Doc Rivers as coach as uh, opposed to the other. I also, I also think – I think back to um, – you know, people saying the East is wide open, and and I, to a degree, to a degree, I understood. But I also think people, LeBron, LeBron, and the Warriors really they um, they spoiled us because they made us think that it's very easy to make it to the finals. Yeah, like just look at the Bucks, dude. Before the Bucks won last year, they were second, second and third round outs. You know, like and again. They won a championship last year. What this year? Second round out. Like it's they have the tough, best two way player in the game. Yeah, right. and like injuries happen. Like Chris Middleton got hurt, but like injuries happen every year in the playoffs. It is very, very, very tough to make it to the finals, and let alone win in this league, man. And I think LeBron again, LeBron and the Warriors spoiled us. So like. You cannot rest on your laurels. All these teams are going to be retooling and readjusting and looking for the, you know, the young guns and getting more dogs and getting tougher on defense. And getting, I need to hear you your know, dog. I need to hear your one dog because you you came on the podcast last year and you said PJ Tucker and I didn't want PJ Tucker and you were right. And I need to hear your dog who you want the Sixers to go after this offseason. Is oh, there one the, that you have in mind? It's got to be TJ Warren. TJ Warren. TJ okay. Warren. Um, I think that he – I don't – so shout out, shout out to Will Rucker. But Will mentioned him as a starter. I would probably – I need to know how good the fit or what kind of condition the foot is in first. Yeah. But I think he's a guy who 
would be on um, a reclamation path. Like he's, you know, he's he's one dude who um, I think would be really pissed off to show the league that he still got it. Um, I, I don't know if another P.J. Tucker exists. Um, I wanted him last year because I don't think that he's got another run in him after this year. Like age catches up with everybody. Yeah. And like even, you know, I just think that um, – as good as he is and as hard as he plays, even him, even he eventually is going to lose a step or three. Um, yeah. He's like, 30, <laughs> he's going to be 36. Soon. Yeah. He'll be 36. Yeah. Or yeah. Like, Matt Nev's getting up there in age. Like the guys that we all want. Yeah. He's another guy and like respect everybody who wants him, but like, he's a dude who also is getting up there in age, man. Like, like they're all dogs, but we need some younger dogs. Like you look at, <laughs> look at the, look at the, look at Memphis, man. Like, they're one through fifteen is is all dogs and like they're all, and they're twenty five. <laughs> they're all. Yeah. all right, I and looked it up. I, I was curious to see because my dog and I'm going to save some of this for the podcast that I'm doing later in the week with Marty. But my dog, my one guy that I think if he is available via trade, this is not a free agent. But my one dog is a guy that we know, and I know that he looked he struggled a little bit in the playoffs this year other than hitting all of his threes, but defensively he didn't look great, is Jay Crowder. I think that if the Suns blow it up or if the Suns make some moves, they got to pay Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges and potentially DeAndre Ayton or whoever they replace with DeAndre Ayton. Like Jay Crowder is the one guy. He's 31 still. He's still not super old. He's 31 going on 32. Like I think he's probably got two or three years left in the tank. He's a guy that like if we trade Tobias, he's a perfect starting four for this team. We'll shoot a ton of threes. We'll play competitive defense. We'll keep the ball moving. Like he's the prototypical kind of guy, and he's you know what else? He's a dog. He, rebound, he rebounds, and he's a very tough basketball player. He's yeah. a tough dude. You're not going to talk him down or back him down from anything. And he's a guy who I think people listen to in a locker room. He's got a lot of playoff experience. He's got a lot of end season experience. Um, I, he would definitely be a guy that that I would shoot for. And I agree with you. A lot of people. Um, said last night that this that's probably this is probably the last iteration of that Suns team that we'll see. I think they do have a lot of questions. I I jokingly said they, they had to decide which two wings to send to Maury, but I do, <laughs> I do think that um I do think that they have a lot of questions that need to be answered, and it's it does start with what you know what's our makeup next year, like like. And Monty Williams actually said something interesting. He was saying how he, looking back, he's not quite sure just how much he set up the young guys to have success. Like, like what, like what did he do on offense that made them gun shy all of a sudden? Or like, you know what I mean? And like, that's the kind of perspective that you want from a coach. Yeah. You know? It sucks that it's got to come after the worst loss in, in playoff history, but like still like, you know, you, you got to decide like, you know, what, what went wrong with this year? You know, we lost in the second round and we were in the playoff. We were in the finals last year. You know, like well, yeah, he kind of even said it in that thing where he was like, I kind of ran them into the ground during the regular season. Mm-hmm. And now it's the playoffs. Everyone's tired. Chris Paul's 37. Like, the, the Suns had, once again, when you don't have a superstar player, when you don't have a Luka Doncic or who, a Giannis or whoever, like you don't have the margin for error that those right. teams have because the superstar can cover up a lot of those weaknesses. If Devin Booker and Chris Paul aren't firing on all cylinders, then the Suns' offense is going to look stagnant, and it looked 
horrendous last night. Like, I mean, literally, they, the Mavericks went on a 45-3 to run in the second and third quarter. 45-3! to I've never seen anything like it. I, I, I'm still, like, that is the most shocking Game 7 I've ever seen in my entire life. Of any sport. You know, 64 wins is cool, but when you look like that in the second round of the playoffs, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, because in a, in a in a vacuum, seeding really didn't matter that much. Like you were going to have to go through the Warriors regardless, and you know you either were going to have to go through the Mavericks or you're going to have to go through the Grizzlies, and like the team, like the like you were saying, the top five teams are the top five teams. So like if we know that already, dude, when there's you know a month left in the season, I'm taking the foot off the pedal. Like, all right, we're going to be a top four seed. I believe in you guys. I believe in the system. Let the chess fall where they may. Well, I, my theory on it is that they just had too many former Sixers. Like <laughs> they had, they had, they had Dario Saric, who was not playing, admittedly. Technically, Michael Bridges was a Sixer at one point. Um, you have Landry Shamit. You have um, wasn't there a fourth guy that was on? The team that was a former Sixer. I they have so many former Sixers. Monty Williams is the coach. He was the assistant coach. That Dario Shamit, like yeah, they were too many they, Sixers you know vibes. <laughs> and not even we look. My mom texted me, and my mom doesn't watch and NBA other than she watches the Sixers because of the podcast. But she texted me. She was at a bar, and they were out to eat. And she texted me and said, are you watching the Dallas Mavericks Phoenix Suns game? I've never seen anything like that's how bad it got. Yeah, it got it. I I was um, I turned it for a second because I was checking up on something else. And my uncle texted me was like, yo, like I'm out. And I just the bar just turned the game off. And I was like, what happened? He was like, check the score. (laughs) <laughs> That's when they were up thirty, and I was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" I, 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 I was not expecting it. I was like, "This game's gonna get onto the wire, and then Luca's gonna beat them." I did think Luca was gonna beat them, but I did not see that happening. I didn't think he was gonna be laughing them off the court. I mean, Luca is a super villain on on a level that I have never. I, I, I respect it. I have to. All I could do is respect it because the dude is a fucking baller. But yeah. I mean, I mean, he was laughing at, I, and I know, like everyone's getting their jokes off now. The Suns seem to be the most hated team in the NBA. It seemed like, like Pat Bev going off today. Luke, yeah. like Luca was getting his shot. That there were players on Twitter getting their shot. Anthony Edwards, did you see Anthony Edwards' video we posted? Yeah, the video was so funny. Where he was like, "Yo, they were talking so much shit, and this is what happened." Yo, I love it. First of all, I love Ant. Um, He's amazing. But I think that it's so funny because. Of all the teams, I didn't expect the Suns to be the team, but it's hilarious to see that everybody fucking hated their cuts. <laughs> I know that people real. I mean, if you think about it, they do like they're very good, very talented team, but they do have Chris Paul, who's known as one of the biggest assholes in NBA history. Devin Booker, who's a who's a cocky dude. Like I'm sure. I'm sure that everyone was waiting for this pack to go up. And I, once yeah. again, I, I said last year, like I didn't believe that the Suns were a legit finals team, even though they made the finals and they almost won the finals. Like I felt like the West was like the Oregon trail last year and everyone died of dysentery <laughs> on the way to the finals. Yeah. But the, 
like I didn't expect them to look this bad. Like I expected yeah. them to come out and put up a fucking fight in this game. Like like you said, I thought the Mavs were probably going to win. Like before the series, when we did the podcast, when I predicted it with Chiodo, I picked the Suns in seven. But I said, if you get to a game seven, you have the best player. And a lot of the times the best player wins. And with how he played in that series, Luca playing in that series, I felt like the Mavs were going to win yesterday. But like, I, I mean – in a way that I've never seen a team as good as Phoenix too. That was the, the thing that yeah. blew my mind was like, this was one of the, this was one of the best records of all time in the regular season. And they just completely fell fucking flat on their face in a well, way that I, I could not imagine. Well, I think, I think their vibes were off from the get go because Monty even think- said that like, um, Aiden only playing 10 minutes was an internal decision. And, you know, people are like, well, they should have been CP and not Aiden. I think that there's been some shit with Aiden and them since last season. And, you know, obviously it it boiled over to this season and obviously the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I'm sure he he can't wait to get out of there. And they probably can't wait to get rid of him. I think their their vibes were incredibly off. And I, I do think that there was some cockiness or like so much cockiness to where they said, all we got to do is show up type stuff. You know, we'll show up, we'll beat them. Like book saying, Oh, I love game sevens. Like, bro, you went 0 for 11 with your backcourt mate in the first half. Like, I don't think you love game sevens that much. I don't think he's ever played a game seven. I think that was the first one. So he was probably like, I can't, which is very weird to me. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that they, they're another team that has some that has some internal reflection to do this summer. Like they they really, um, they really are on fraud watch. As I, I told uh, I told Mike Meach, shout out to Meach that last night. I was like that you know their whole team is on fraud watch because um, they looked completely different than this even the sixty four win team from this season. And it, it does beg the question, like you know, and and, and it. So here's their like football is different because it's only it's only 17 weeks. Every game matters. You know, like you one you 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 lose one game in September and that could fuck up your whole season. But like in NBA, it's different because you lose five in a row in December and nobody bats an eye. You can still be the number one seed in the East. Bro, the Celtics, the Celtics were like the 10 seed and right. they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. We were, t- we were laughing, remember? Because we were like, yeah. oh, they're going to be they're gonna be a play-in team. Like, right. Blah, blah, blah. Second straight year, LOL. <laughs> they're going to break up the Jays, all right. that stuff. Oh, by the way, they have a coach who actually gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and that yes. helped a lot. Like, P.S., like, they, like, the, like, their coach called out Jason Tatum in the middle of the year, and Tatum made the adjustments. So, like, oh. Yeah. And I clowned him for it. I was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. He's calling out the players. He's whatever. But fuck, it worked, dude. They knew. They knew. I got to give them credit. But conference finals predictions. What do you think is going to happen? We have our tortured series of the Heat versus the Celtics. The team that just beat us. The team that has our former star player in Jimmy Butler versus (laughs) the the guy that we passed on technically, kind of. Like, we did pass on him, but, like, we were never going to actually get get him in the draft anyway. Yes, and Jason yeah. Tatum and our arch rival of the Boston Celtics. So what do you think is going to happen there? Um, I think as much as I don't have a rooting interest, um, I think Jason Buford said he hosts for an earthquake. I also heard for an earthquake in the series. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think that um, health is going to matter the most. And I think defense matters. 
Um, as much as it pains me to say, man, that that Boston defense is tremendous, um, and they're very, very, very tough to score on. Um, and I think <clears throat> when you get the heat, when you turn the heat into a one-man game, in, in other words, when you make it so Jimmy's the only one doing everything, they're actually not. They're actually not their best version of themselves. Yeah. So like. If Jimmy's averaging 30 a game, I think the Heat actually lose that series in four games because that's not the best version of the Heat. Um, yeah. And I think we saw that's that in game four in Philly. Game four in Philly was Jimmy's best scoring game, I think. I think he had 40 yeah. points and they lost. Because, and they lost, right. Because we were just like, we're not going to give you anything but these inefficient shots that you want right. to take. Like, like if you want to hit uh, bank in threes, go right go right ahead. We'll, we'll take those all night. So I think that um, – I think this is going seven games, and I think the Celtics are going to win. And I, I, yeah. I do think defense is going to be the determining factor. It sucks, man. I, I hate, I hate having to pick either of these teams to do anything. I know. Um, yeah. I, I think that we are going for. I think Celtics in seven. Um, I like the Warriors in six, and I think the Warriors are somehow, some way, are going to win another fucking championship this year. <laughs> <laughs> so. Before the playoffs, I picked the Celtics to win the East. Uh, I felt like everything you just said, plus they've had great injury luck other than the Robert Williams injury, which they've been able to survive because the yep. Bucks were missing Chris Middleton. They're gonna they're going up against their third straight team now that is mixed. You know, say what you will about Ben Simmons and this version of Kyle Lowry, but they would be rotation players on these teams, yeah. and they were all missing. Plus Chris Middleton, who was the second best player on the Finals team last year. I think that the Celtics are the best team left. I'm going to be honest. I emotionally hedged on the Celtics yeah. when I thought they were looking great in that buck series. Yeah. I put some money on them to win the championship. I think that I think that what's going to happen is I think I actually do think this series is going to go seven. I think Miami is going to win game one because it's a, it's a schedule loss. Yeah. It's a schedule loss. Yeah. Celtics coming yeah. off an emotional win. Two days yeah. later, you got to travel to Miami. Miami's yeah. rested. They've had four or five days off. Yeah. Like, like I think that the, the Heat win that. I think the Celtics steal one there. I think they kind of go back and forth. I think it probably goes six or seven. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Celtics in seven, but I think they win convincingly in a few of those games and prove that they are the better team and the Heat steal a few. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at it from the other end, I'm going to go – I'm going to go Warriors in seven, but I feel less confident about that than I did before last night. Because I yeah, think I'll that Luke's the best player left in the playoffs. Yeah. And it's crazy for me to say that because I've been the biggest Steph Curry guy forever. Like, I think that Steph Curry is underrated still. Yeah. And I think that Luke is the best player left in the playoffs. And I think Steph and Tatum are in that second tier. And the way that Jimmy's been playing, obviously, it's going to. I want to see Jimmy against this Boston defense yeah. because it's easy to do it when you're going up against Tobias Harris. Let's see how you do it when you're going up against Marcus Smart right. and Jason Tatum and these lockdown defenders and, and Grant uh, Williams and dudes are getting in your face and like exactly. yeah, like they get they got guys that get into your grill and they okay doing that. And you brought up the Robert Williams point. They actually hid him for two games. I think he could have came back sooner. But remember, we just talked about it, like being being fucking creative. They hid him for two games because they had two other dudes that they didn't mind playing. They had two other yeah. bigs they didn't mind running. And, like, that's the shit that pisses you off about, like, a doc system because 
if that wasn't be with an MCL or a bruised knee, we'd be like, oh, we're fucked, dude. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like we, we can't hide him for two games. We need him to drag his one leg out there because we have no one else that we have any faith in or no one else that has any, like, you know, any kind of actual experience because we only play one center all year. Like, right. that that kind of stuff is how these teams get to this point. But I agree, you know, like I said, I agree with all your points. And I think that um, I'll be interested to see how the Warriors, how Steve Kerr choose to defend Luka. I don't quite know. Like, you're obviously, immediately your mind goes toward Draymond, but I think I don't think Draymond uh, – I think Draymond's a little long in the tooth for Luca right now. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to guard Luca. He's an no. unguardable player. Like he's reaching, yeah. he's reaching LeBron levels of unguardable because it's yeah. like, okay, you want to switch onto Luca? He'll roast your whoever you switch onto him. You want to run drop coverage on Luca? Okay, he'll hit pull up threes in your face. Okay, you want to like you switch a small onto him? He'll post them up. You switch a big onto him? He'll cook them in space. Like there's no way to guard this guy. And like he and he didn't even like. In that series, he was an amazing scorer, but we didn't even see like the Luca playmaking engine that he can be if the defense decides to send all of their guys at him and just put two or three on him. Like, like the crazy thing is, so many counters, it's insane. The, the crazy thing about that is, this is probably their worst version. Like, this is their worst roster right here. Um, and that's scary to think about. In the West, that's scary to think about. We got our own to worry about in the East. But, like, if you're a team in the West, you you got to deal with the fact that this is absolutely Luka's worst roster right now. <laughs> like, I think they're going to get, like, I think they're going to make a push to try to get, like, Rudy Gobert or, like, someone yeah. that is, like, a second guy that you could put with Luka that makes more right. sense than Porzingis did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that they would – I think they're going to make a push for Rudy. I've heard, you know, I hear a lot of that stuff. I think they're going to make a push for him. I think there's a, there's a bunch of, of of nice role guys who make a lot of sense for them. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went and got – another running jumping dude who Luca can just um, throw lives to all day. Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly like shocked that I'm saying this, but I like, I actually think like right now, once again, I picked the Celtics to win the finals. Like I think the Celtics are going to win the finals, but, and just emotionally hedge on that right now, guys, like just put your money down on the Celtics winning the finals. So you don't feel as bad when it happens, but I think I weirdly think that like, you know how every time we play the Mavericks, we're like, how are we so good against the Mavericks? Like <laughs> even with Luca, we've always like they've been the one Western yeah. conference team we've always played well against. It's the opposite for the Celtics. The Mavericks yeah. are the one they have no answer for Luca. Zero. And it's weird because they they're such a dominant defensive team. And even with Robert Williams, when they were all healthy, Luca went in there and played amazingly. They sh- they sh- somewhat shut down Tatum and they won in Boston like two months ago. And like they were the only team during that stretch that was able to win. So if the Mavericks can get out, I think they have a legit shot to win the title, which is crazy because I think they only have one top 40 player right now in Luka. And that's, that's, that's how amazing he's been. That's it's 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 all it's nuts to it's nuts to think about. Um, and it goes back to our original point when we started this whole thing that like you have to continue to to churn and you have to continue to go all in because all it takes is one year. And like as much as as good as everyone looks, the league's still wide open. Like one 
concise summer of some very, very well thought out moves. And you're in the ECF next year, you know, and like, that's really what you want. Like you want to shine, you just want to shine it. Right. And like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I know that Maury wants it. I know that he, you know, he'll do whatever within power to do it, but I don't know how serious I take them if they really do bring Doc back. Same. Uh, and I guess that's what I'll, and this is what I'll end on is that like I, I will know how serious they actually are if Doc is the coach at, at your. I training. agree. That's exactly how I feel. Is like kind of like if Doc's the coach, I'm not going to feel great about this team. A lot of things are going to have to go right for me to buy back in. Yeah. If we if we if we yeah. promote Sam Cassell, or we go get Darvin Ham or yeah. one of these assistant coaches. Yeah that like we just like believe in and like can and have a system and like play the young guys and develop guys. I'm 100% all, all the way back in. It does happen. But so I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. I will put the links to Zoe's work in the description and uh, I'll talk to you again sometime soon. Hopefully next time we talk, uh, the team will be uh, filled with dogs. (laughs) <laughs> always, always, always a pleasure, brother. Uh, we are very much dog pill. Um, Let's thank get you for it. having me on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, free Pooh Shiesty, free YSL. Uh, yes, sir. slash newsletter. Um, and yeah, man, you know, ball. I, I listen, I, I we we talked about this the first time I came on, but um, it's always a pleasure, dude. It's always nice to see, um, you know, people that you enjoy and you root for have success. So um, whenever I can stop by, you got my time, brother. Thanks, bro. I really appreciate that. All right, dude.